0: Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles.
1: Today, one of the best ways to grow your business, one of the best ways to grow your brand, one of the best ways to grow your personal brand, and one of the best ways to command a premium is to stand out from your competition by establishing your authority in your field. And one of the best ways to establish your authority is through speaking, Speaking at events and conferences, speaking to associations. And you don't necessarily have to go all in on speaking. That doesn't have to be 100% of your business. In fact, what I see at a lot of events is that the majority of the speakers that are speaking there, speaking is only just part of their business. It's just one way for them to establish their authority and get themselves in front of new audiences and new clients. And a lot of times these speakers aren't even actually paid for speaking at this event. And that sounds counterintuitive because you think, well, you want to monetize being able to speak at events. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Speaking at an event, speaking at a conference, speaking to associations or to chambers is a lot like content marketing. It really is a way to establish your authority and get in front of possible customers. And if you establish your authority in the right way, if you present your material in the right way, if you establish a great relationship and provide a great experience, To the event managers of that event, then that's going to help bring you much more business than if you were out there cold calling or if you were out there trying to reach new clients one-on-one. And now what if you're in a business that doesn't really have to establish its brand through speaking? What if you are in an established brand? Well, speaking at events is one way to grow your personal brand. It's another way to gain more clients, but it's also a way to really grow your career. If you're the one who's out there speaking at industry and trade events, then your leadership sees you as an authority and they see you as someone who has poise and executive presence. And that establishes your professional brand, your personal brand, as one who is able to grow in their career. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking with one of the number one experts in helping people to become speakers and establish a speaking career or even establish just a speaking path, Grant Baldwin. Grant's the author of the recently released The Successful Speaker. He's the founder of thespeakerlab.com, which that's a training company for public and professional speakers. He's the creator and host of the Speaker Lab podcast, and he's coached thousands of speakers, including yours truly. He's been regularly featured in national media, including Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, so many others. And he's coached and he's worked with a lot of the big name speakers that you see speaking at conferences today. And we're talking with Grant today about how you can establish yourself as a professional speaker, or how you can also simply get access to speaking engagements to help grow your business, to grow your brand, and to grow your personal brand. So here it is, here's my interview with Grant Baldwin. Hey Grant, how are you today? Doing quite well. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, Matt. Uh, Thanks for being here, this is great. You know, first things first, I wanna say congratulations. You launched your latest book, The Successful Speaker, what uh just, just a few months ago back in February.
2: Yeah, right before things went south in the world. Uh so we did. We 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 got it in just under the deadline there. Uh but yeah, really, really, really happy with the uh the book, The Successful Speaker. Uh the response that we've got so far from people. It was a really good project and and uh, really happy with uh with how it's turned out.
1: And for for my listeners here, I have actually followed Grant's Booked and Paid to Speak program, and that's what helped me launch out You know, this past year. I wish that I had the successful speaker two years ago, and that would have helped me even more.
2: That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate the the kind words and, and I'm sure we'll dig into it, but I I, I, I try to create the... the uh, Myself and our team, we try to create resources that I, I wish I had when I got started as a speaker. And so there's uh, no shortage of people interested in speaking. And so uh, if we can help uh, others share their message with the world, make an impact in the income, then it's a extremely fulfilling thing to do.
1: It's super helpful for anyone that's wanting to start speaking for money or even just you know figuring out how how they can go about, you know, getting speaking gigs, you know, even at conferences and events and it minimizes a lot of the barriers and it it softens that learning curve for people as well. So it's an awesome resource. Cool. But so I want to understand, um, so you've built your career around speaking and helping other speakers. Why are you so passionate about speaking?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, my, I'll give you a quick nutshell on my background. So I, so in, in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact on my life. And um, and that was kind of the, the path I was on for a while I, I eventually worked at a different local church and um, had a lot of opportunities to speak naturally. And, and I really enjoyed it. Speaking was one of those things that felt like it, it just it, it came somewhat naturally to me. I, I felt comfortable doing it. And I also quickly saw like the, the impact that you could make. And, and one of the unique things about speaking that's different than other media, is that when you are speaking, you are able to get real-time feedback. And so, for example, there may be you know thousands of people who listen to this conversation, and yet Matt, you and I will never see any of their faces. We'll never see any of their live reaction to that. It'd be a little awkward for you know you and I and and one other person to be sitting in a room just listening to this conversation and just us just analyzing them and watching them and watching their reaction. Or when someone reads a book, you know, or someone reads a, a blog post or watches a video, like you just you don't get that real-time feedback that you do from speaking where when you're speaking you're able to see the audience you're able to see where you're you know you know where you're taking them you know where uh you can tell when they're when they're with you or when they're not with you 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 hear the immediate feedback from people afterwards who come up and say hey you know that was really impactful or that helped me in some way and so speaking is is um you know for many people it's one of the most terrifying things and the idea of doing it just sounds completely traumatizing uh, but for so many people there the uh, also just feel like oh, man it's such a fun experience and it's such a great way to to make an impact and share a message so um yeah i'm a, i'm certainly a little biased but i'm i'm a uh, i think speaking is is one of the best ways if not the best way to uh, to to help people i got
1: that bug a few years ago you know i i, I was i was doing a lot of speaking in my business And for my company and, and, you know, and people would reach out to us and ask for people to come speak at their conference, their event or speak to their association. And I started doing that. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. You know, being able to see the audience and see their reaction. And to for me to see those light bulbs go off in their heads when I realize, oh yeah, they're getting this. That's right. completely different than, you know, if I'm, you know, sending out a video or I'm, you know, or someone's reading my blog post, like I can't just pop up behind their shoulder and say, hey, so what do you think of the blog post so
2: far? Right, right. That'd be a little creepy. That doesn't work, doesn't work like that. Creepy and awkward.
1: Speaking is isn't just for those whose whose sole business is professional speaking. You know, there, there are a lot of business owners and business leaders that will go and speak to conferences. Sometimes it's keynotes, sometimes it's workshops. What are the benefits of business owners and business leaders speaking at events and conferences?
2: Yeah. And so one of the great things about speaking is it's not necessarily a one size fits all where, you know, for a long time, uh, for many years in, in my own personal career, I was speaking at 60, 70 events a year. or speaking full time. Uh, I know some speakers that do, you know, 100, 120, 150 gigs a year. And I also know speakers who do five or 10 gigs. And it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It's a matter of just figuring out what makes sense and what works for you. So for me, for a long time, uh, I was doing a lot of gigs and I was uh, speaking was was basically 90, 95% of my, of my revenue revenue and income, uh, where I would go speak, I'd collect a check, and that was kind of the end of the transaction. But one of the nice things with speaking, in addition to, to the, the potential of getting paid for it, is a lot of the ancillary benefits and so you know you the any conference or event that any of us have been to before whenever we see someone on stage there's a certain amount of of prestige or recognition that uh, we aspire to that person just by the mere fact that they're on stage that they're a speaker and so speaking is one of those things that we view those people as as credible as leaders as authorities uh, and so it may make sense for someone to uh, like a business leader to speak just for that kind of expert status so to speak in a certain industry or space another reason that we Uh, that may make sense to speak we see this a lot with with business leaders is they speak for lead generation purposes. So I'll give you an example. There's a, a speaker we worked with a while back who went through one of our programs and uh, they had a, um, I think it was a, like a life coaching, some type of coaching business. I, th- I think it was life coaching and, and we're doing a lot of speaking and all the speaking that they were doing was for free, but it was lead gen for their coaching business. And so they said that they were generating um, multiple six figures in revenue, but the whole business was built upon speaking for free, and so that may make sense whether you're doing offering some type of um, you know consulting or coaching, or you have some type of product or service, or you have some type of agency, and you're looking for new clients or customers. Uh, speaking is a great, great way to generate leads for business. So again, I, I think the misconception is that people assume okay, in order to be a speaker, you got to be a full-time speaker, you got to be all in on it. No, that's not the case at all. Like you just you just have to figure out how speaking fits into what it is that you are trying to accomplish in your own business.
1: There are at least a handful of times that I can think of where, you know, in in my previous roles that I explored bringing somebody into work with us just because we happened to see them speak either on stage or speak, giving a workshop at a conference. And I realized, you know, had I not been to that conference, had I not seen them speak, I would not have known who they were. I wouldn't have even Mm -hmm. known about their work.
2: No, that's exactly right. Like the the um, like, because uh, again, the when you're reading someone's blog or you're listening to a podcast or you're watching a video, like you kind of have some sense of who they are. But when you see someone in person and you see them on stage, then oftentimes you're able to get more of a connection with them than you would if you were just you know reading or listening to them. And so, uh, in addition, to the the opportunity to uh, meet them, because at, at the end of the day, like people do business with people they know, like and trust. And so, when you're able to meet someone in person, like maybe you read a blog post, and you're like this. Is one of the best blog posts I've ever read, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the the person that wrote it is the type of person that you would want to do business with, um, and and not that they're necessarily a, a, a bad person, but maybe they're just like you just wouldn't click in a you know uh, in a consulting or or coaching relationship or environment or something like that. Whereas when you see someone on stage, you're like, I just kind of get the sense, or just talking with them or getting to know them, like I feel like we would work really really well together. Um, that again may have may have been introduced to that audience that previously wouldn't have known about them. So uh, yeah, speaking can be really, really great for the credibility and lead generation side of things.
1: The speaking stage is one more marketing channel that a lot of business owners and business leaders just aren't aware of. Let's think through this. You're a business owner, and you've submitted an application to speak at a conference or an event, and you're hoping to, you know, to get some business out of, out of that speaking engagement. And congratulations, you've got the gig. What's the first thing you need to do to prepare for your talk?
2: Yeah, so whenever you are, some of this would already have been done uh, in the kind of the proposal process As you're getting really, really clear about uh, who you speak to, what it is that you're going to be speaking about, and kind of what the the point of the talk is. You always want to, you're creating a talk, you always want to begin with the end in mind. Like, what's the point of a talk? And so anytime you're creating a, a presentation, especially if it's a new presentation, one you haven't done before, the audience is always asking themselves two questions. They're always asking themselves, so what, and now what? So what? And now what? So, so what? That's an interesting story you told. So what? What does that have to do with me? What am I supposed to do as a result of that? And the now what part is is now. what? How do I apply this? How do I implement it? What do I do at this point? Um, Because you don't want people, an audience to leave a talk and be like, that was interesting, but like, so what? I don't understand what I had to do with me or now what? I don't understand what I'm supposed to do as a result of it. So the audience is always asking themselves those two questions. So as a speaker, especially when you're creating a new presentation, you want to be creating a talk through that lens and make sure that you're clear on those two things. of So what, why does this matter? And now what, what are they supposed to do as a result? In addition, I would also say the principle from, from Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where it talks about beginning with the end in mind of just like beginning with the end, like where is it that you want this talk to go? What is the point of this talk? Why should it matter to the audience? So beginning with the end in mind, thinking through the so what, the now what, uh, and then kind of creating the roadmap of what it is that you want to communicate from there.
1: All three of those, you beginning with the end in mind. So what, now what? I think those can apply anytime anybody is on a stage or anytime anyone is presenting to somebody else. Um, even if you're presenting internally within your own company, if you're just trying to have leadership, you know, approve your budget or approve your project. I think those three things right there can help anytime someone's presenting to somebody else.
2: No, that's absolutely right. That, uh, you, whether, again, whether you're reading a a blog post or whether you are, um, you know, listening to a a presentation and a, you know, in a a meeting with a couple of people, like you always want to think those pieces through. You always want to be really, really clear on so what and now why should the audience care and what do you want them to do as a result of it?
1: When someone's actually, you know, going through the process of preparing for their talk, I've known a number of people who, when they're giving a presentation, they say that they don't want to over-prepare so that they can still appear authentic and not be robotic on stage. But I'd love to understand what level of preparation is really ideal when you're preparing your talk
2: and practice. Yeah, I totally get what, what uh, you know, what what they're saying as far as like, you know, if you're you're in an audience and you're listening to a speaker and it feels like they're just regurgitating a script, like they are just going verbatim word for word. And it just, they feel very, it feels very forced. It feels very fake. It feels very robotic. And I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to take five steps over here. And then I'm going to do this. And it's just like, oh, like that, it's just, it comes across so fake and, and um, uh, lacks just being genuine versus like, you feel like, uh, I tell our speakers all the time, like you are a human standing on a stage talking to a collection of other humans. So act like a human. Don't act like this robot. Now at the same time, recognize and realize that what you are communicating and what you're doing as a speaker is to a certain degree a, a performance. And so it's not just like, eh, I'm going to scribble down a couple thoughts on a napkin and hop up there and wing it and hope it all works out. Like I do not recommend that. I would not recommend that at all. Uh, and I think that, that, you know, most of the time when, when speakers attempt that, eh, I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip and um, kind of improv and ad lib. Like that's just a a waste of the audience's time. It's a uh, it's not effective way of communicating at all. So what I what I, I would suggest though is that you do spend a lot of time like practicing, preparing, and rehearsing. What what I typically do personally, what we teach our students, is I actually uh, will manuscript out what I want to say, like an entire talk. I will manuscript it out word for word. Now the point is not to know a script, is not to know verbatim of what we're going to say. So for example, you know, if Matt, you and I are um, Uh, we are at a, a sporting event and they're singing the national anthem and someone butchers the lyrics like, everybody knows that they butchered the lyrics because we know what the lyrics are supposed to be. But if you're standing on stage delivering a talk to an audience and like, you know, you you for, forget a line to a story or you tell the story out of order or uh, you tell points out of order or whatever it may be, uh, nobody knows. Nobody has a script following along like, oh wait, you said, you said this instead of that. And you know, that sort of thing. It reminds me um, when I was recording the audio book for the successful speaker, uh, they they want it to be uh, so that what was it if someone's listening to it on Audible for example, and then there is um, there's that like syncing technology where. Uh, it can also follow along if someone's reading it on Kindle, but then following along on the audiobook, something to that. Some, I don't remember what it's called there. Right. Some syncing thing, but um, basically like they need it to be like nine, it's like 98 or 99% accurate. So there'd be times where, you know, you would say this instead of the, you know, or something like that. And, um, you know, you're, you're you said, uh, and the, or instead of and a, you know, or, or whatever, just like these little, little, little things. Oh, yeah. And I remember the, the audio guy I was working with, he would, it would you'd stop me and up we got to go back you said this instead of that and we got to we got to redo that one sentence but listen in that type of setting, you got to be spot on accurate. But when you're delivering a speech to an audience, the audience is not thinking like that. And so have your talk, know where you're going. And again, I like to to think it through as far as like, I'm not trying to, to memorize verbatim exactly what I'm trying to say, but I want to know the essence of it. But if I take the time beforehand and really map out how I want to say it and what I want to communicate, it's generally going to come across better. So an example of that would be um you know if you ask me hey tell me about whenever you proposed to your wife and i could tell that story right now off the top of my head but if I said, okay, give me about 30 minutes just to sit down and write it out and really think through like the details of the day and, um, you know, what else we were up to that day or who we called first, or what people's reaction was or what our reaction was or who cried or what I said or any of that type of stuff. Like if you think all those pieces through, you could probably come up with and tell a better story. And so that's the same idea is, is you really kind of map out what the details were, how I want to communicate it, how I want to deliver that story. But then I'm not trying to, you know, if I say this instead of that, that's fine. That's not the end of the world. I want to know the essence of the story and kind of the general flow of the story. And again, same the idea for the overall talk versus feeling like this is a manuscript that I have to completely spot on memorize. So that that's not the approach I'm taking, but more the essence of where the talk is going to go.
1: If you happen to mess up like just one detail nobody's going to know unless you tell them and then unless you react and start acting like, Oh my goodness, I just messed up my story.
2: Right, and you shouldn't. There's no, there's no need to do that. There's no need to uh, say, oh, wait, you know, I I I forgot part of the story, or um, oh, normally I have time to tell this other part, or normally I show this one slide, but the technology isn't working. You you never need to say, hey, there. You never need to tell the audience, hey, there's this one part that I was going to give you, but I can't give you. Now you've taken something away from the audience that they didn't know that they had. So no need to do that. If you mess something up, just keep going, right? Just keep, because again, nobody knows the difference. Another big thing I, I tell speakers all the time is that the audience takes their cues from you. The audience takes their cues from you, meaning that if you mess, I've had this happen before. In fact, a couple of months ago, I was speaking at an event and uh, I think we were doing like some Q and A or something. And uh, I, I get to a point where I'm like answering a question. I just draw a blank and I'm just kind of like, I have no idea. I'm literally like, I have no idea what what we were talking about. And it was a, it was a moment where uh, I have a choice as a speaker. I can, I, can, I can start to panic or be frazzled. And if I do that again, the audience takes their cues for me. So if I'm all of a sudden uncomfortable on stage or just awkward or clunky, the audience feels that. And then all of a sudden they feel like, oh, oh, this is this is painful. I'm, I feel like I'm watching this train wreck unfold in front of me. Right. Versus if I'm just like, what I did was like. Uh, I literally have no idea what we were talking about. What was that question again? And everyone kind of laughs and it's not a big deal and we all move on, right? And so again, you're a human, act like a human instead of feeling like I am this robot and I am here to deliver this message. Like you don't need to do that because that again, that comes across very fake and phony. One of
1: the things that I teach is for people to be
2: authentic
1: and you can't appear to be too robotic. And then to your earlier point with your story from a couple of months ago, if you just kind of I don't know, get lost in your mind, then just kind of go with it and say, huh, well, all right, this happens and everyone's going to play along and, and, and they're going to be okay with it because they're human and you're human.
2: Yeah. Yep. Exactly right.
1: So is there an ideal way to captivate an audience right off the bat and to keep an audience captivated and engaged during your
2: talk? Yeah, I'll tell you one thing not to do is I think uh, one mistake that a lot of speakers make from the beginning is they, they those first few moments that you walk out on stage and that you open your mouth, uh, even before you open your mouth, those are precious, precious moments because the audience uh, typically in most settings, they have no idea who you are. They they are attending this conference. They didn't come to see you uh, specifically. They came for this conference. You just happen to be a speaker there versus a, it's kind of a different thing versus if, if like you go... Um, uh i you know you and i live in the nashville area and so if we if we were to go downtown there's there's plenty of live music that exists in Nashville. And so it's one thing to say, okay, I want to go downtown to listen to live music and I'm going to go to some honky tonk, whatever, and listen to whoever's playing or karaoke or whatever's going on versus like I'm going downtown to go specifically to this concert to see this person play. Right. There's an anticipation. There's an excitement about that, about seeing that specific person versus what, again, the case is for most speakers is that someone's like, I came to the conference because I'm interested in the conference. I'm interested in who's putting on the conference. You just happen to be a speaker there, um, but i don 't know who you are. I have no connection to you whatsoever other than you just happen to be on the stage that i 'm um, of this conference i i 'm interested in and so those first few moments, a lot of times speakers waste those moments and you know come out and they do a lot of the uh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so exciting. I'm just truly honored, and uh, I want to thank. Let's see. I'm going to start with my mom. I want to thank my mom for bringing me into the world, and I want to thank the event organizer. And um, and it's just it's so great to be here in Wichita, and Wichita is beautiful. I, you know, I just thought you guys were out here in Kansas. I didn't, and they just go on and on and on, like uh, on all this like just nonsense that you're just wasting those moments, and so. Instead, I would much rather a speaker come out and just get right into it, right? Don't waste those first few moments just kind of thanking everyone or kind of building up or, uh, you know, talking about the weather or whatever. Like, don't waste those. those are really, really important moments. And so jump right into that, whether that's telling a story or some type of anecdote or just jumping right into it versus, again, just kind of uh, lollygagging around. Uh, don't waste those moments, and, and but really start right into to, to your, your, your talk.
1: I try to teach this to people too when I'm helping them with a speech or presentation. And I say, like, you don't have to take it this far, but think about kiss, you know, they don't walk up on stage and say, hi, my name's Paul. This is Jean. You know, this is Tommy Thayer. This is not Peter Chris. And we're going to play a few songs. There's going to be some cool visuals. We're going to go backstage. They're going to come out and play some more. There may be some confetti at the end. No, I mean like they, they, They drop the curtain down. There's explosions and fireworks, and they jump right into Detroit Rock City.
2: Yep, yep. No, that's exactly right. Like just don't waste those moments because the the moments that that people are the the moments that like they first walk out on stage, uh, and again for a speaker who's unknown, who's coming out on stage, like those are just such valuable moments because at that moment the audience is is making all these assumptions and judgments about you. Do I like this person? Do I trust this person? Do am I my interest in this person? Uh those first few moments you're kind of going And those first few moments oftentimes are going to determine how a good chunk of the rest of the talk goes, because if you can get them on your side early, then it makes the rest of the talk go a lot simpler versus they're just kind of like, again, I'm interested in this topic or I'm interested in the the workshop title or the speech title and that drew me into this particular session, or I came to see another speaker who's before or after you. And so I'm just kind of sit here. Uh, And so those first few moments are, are so critically important for the success of a speech.
1: When the audience is on your side and you can see that, then that just helps you and helps kind of propel you forward. Like that, that gives you fuel to keep going through the speech or at least that that's the way it is for me.
2: No, absolutely. Because it's, again, it's kind of the, you're you're, uh, you're reading the room, you're reading the audience and trying to get a sense of, are they, are they with you? Are they confused? You're making some, uh, maybe perhaps making adjustments on the fly of, okay, if they didn't understand this, then I'm going to have to, the one thing I was planning on telling in 30 minutes, I'm going to have to adjust that. Uh, and you're making some of these adjustments on the fly based on some of that real-time feedback from uh, from the audience. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's much more than just kind of, hey, I'm going to stand on stage and I'm just going to give a lecture and you just sit there in the audience and and you just have to take it versus like no no this is a a dialogue a conversation and so i have to you know really work hard to engage with the audience and they have to do their part to uh to lock in with what i'm talking about and i have to you know again this kind of this, this ebb and flow this dance where we both have a part to play
1: here's here's something to think about especially for those people who are not in the professional speaking world where speaking isn't, you know, 99% of, of their business um, for a lot of business leaders, when they're trying to present about their company at a conference or event, a lot of them, you know, because speaking isn't natural to them, they deal with being nervous. And I think, you know, what Jerry Seinfeld said, like that's like, that's one of the top two things that people are afraid of. So yeah. how do you handle getting over being nervous before, for your talk.
2: Yeah. I think oftentimes that people assume that if, if you're nervous that, uh, that you shouldn't be, you know, and it's not a big deal, but the, the reality is, is like that the best speakers in the world are, are, they still get nervous. They still get uncomfortable. Um, and that's not a, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that oftentimes it's, it's, uh, we, we kind of confuse it for, uh, adrenaline or excitement within the body, you know? So you think about some of the biggest moments in your life. You think about, um, I think about when you proposed to your wife, or you think about whenever you uh, were making a big announcement or you were um, you know had to deliver some bad news to someone or you were your kids were born. You know, you think about like these big moments where you had a lot of the same feelings, some of that same butterfly, some of that same adrenaline and excitement. And it wasn't necessarily like, oh man, this is gonna really go poorly. Oftentimes it's our our body's reaction to this idea that that what you're doing is important. What you're doing matters. It's significant. So so pay attention, right? This is a big deal. Uh, and so I think if anything, like that, it, it, it's a good thing when you feel some of that because a lot of times that adrenaline, that really sharpens your focus and helps you to be on your game versus just like, again, I'm going to kind of hop up on stage and just kind of willy-nilly go through it, which again is just ineffective and doesn't work. Uh, so how do you minimize this? How do you, how do you uh, what do you need to do to address this? So it doesn't become like this, this, um, this big burden or this thing that, that completely uh, debilitates you and your ability to present, one of the best things you can do that we kind of touched on earlier is that you really spend a lot of time practicing, preparing, rehearsing, going over your content material. So by the time you get up, you, you may be nervous. You may feel some butterflies. You may feel some of the the uh, adrenaline pumping, but you're ready. You're prepared. You're, you're nervous. you know. So um, uh, i 'll give an example of this it, it's It is like um you know at the time of this recording we're we're getting ready for this um uh this spaceX rocket launch right yeah. and they're they're going to be spend, sending uh the the NASA astronauts to space for the first time in in nearly a decade and and so the the these astronauts they 've got to be feeling some of these nerves some of this excitement and and Uh, at the same time, they have spent so much time, literally years of their lives, training and preparing and practicing and rehearsing and going over and over and over and over, ready for this moment. So do they feel that adrenaline right now? Absolutely, of course they do, right? But at the same time, they feel like, but we've done everything we need to do to prepare for this moment. Do we feel like something's going to go horribly wrong? Probably not. We feel really confident that things are going to go fine. Otherwise, we wouldn't be getting in this rocket. Uh, but there's also still that that kind of nervous energy. And so, another way to think about this is if you, if you think back to like you know high school or, or uh, college or university, and you remember taking like a, a test or an exam or a quiz of some kind. Uh, and there's kind of two approaches: either the approach of like, well, I'm just going to show up and wing it and hope it goes well, or I'm going to really spend some time. Practicing, preparing, you know, reviewing my notes, um, going over the practice questions, studying—all of the things I'm supposed to do. So when I show up, may, would I still feel nervous? Of course I would, right? But I also feel a level of confidence, knowing like I, I put in the work, I put in the preparation, I'm ready for this. I've done all I can do. Now it's go time. Uh, and the same thing is true for a speaker. Uh, so that you can really spend a lot of time practicing and rehearsing and preparing. So by the time you get up on stage, you may still feel some of those butterflies and adrenaline, which again. It's not a bad thing, but you also feel a level of of confidence and calm that, you know what? I I got this. I did the work to prepare for this moment.
1: And if you're prepared, then those nervous feelings are more just a recognition of, you know, like, hey, this is a big deal and and we're right in the middle of a big deal, but I've prepared, so I've got it. And a lot of times, like when I get nervous, I remind myself, oh yeah, I'm a little bit nervous and that shows that I care about this. Mm Mm-hmm. When it comes to giving a presentation, when it comes to giving a talk, there's the other side. There's the visuals that may or may not, you know, go with a presentation. Mm-hmm. And I've seen many variations and it seems like the majority of speakers, and this is all speakers, maybe, maybe not just those whose, uh, whose job is full-time speaking. The majority of speakers use poor slides. Mm-hmm. What's the ideal use of slides?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I, there are, are certainly big, big pros and cons to slides. What the biggest thing I would say for for speakers who are thinking about uh, their presentation is that the slide should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Meaning that I'll give an example. I remember a year or so ago, my wife was attending a conference here in the Nashville area. And I remember she was in a session. She she texted me and she said, uh, session was supposed to start a couple of minutes ago. The speaker said that the, they're having trouble getting their like their computer to work with the projector or the slide. The bottom line was the slides weren't working. And they they told the audience, hey, I can't speak until I get this working. I can't speak without my slides. Which in that case, like you're not ready. You shouldn't be up there. And if you need your slides as a cue card or if you need them as as a teleprompter of some form, then you shouldn't be up there. Just like play a video. Don't waste everyone's time uh, just reading off of a bunch of bullet points or anything like that. So, again, there's nothing wrong with slides because it's true that, that uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. If I was going to, you know, try to describe some type of, you know... Um, you know, one time I was uh, I was on this remote island and it was this beautiful island. It's one thing to like tell you about it. It's another thing to like, let me show you a picture of it, right? Like, oh, okay, now I can visualize it. I can actually see, what that looks like versus just trying to connect the dots in my mind. And so pictures are incredibly, incredibly valuable and and significant. But again, I think uh, there's so many speakers who just get so focused and caught up with their slides that they do it at the detriment of their talk. I remember uh, a year or two ago, I was, I was at a presentation uh, or I was at a conference and backstage and I was speaking later in the day, but a, a buddy of mine was getting ready to go up and um, they're they just going over and over and over their slides. and And I was just like, the slides are important, but like, is your talk ready? Are you good? You know, uh, and so a good like litmus test is, is you know, kind of like this, this uh, presentation that uh, that my wife was sitting in. A, a litmus test would be if five minutes before you're supposed to speak, the, the slides don't work. The projector breaks down, technology fails you, which it, it can and will do. Uh, is your talk still ready? You know, so is it a matter of just like you know, the talk would be awesome with the slides, but it's still great without the slides. And so, uh, so it's really, really important that you 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 err on the side of making sure that the talk itself is solid and that this the the slides are um uh, are an enhancement, not a replacement for the 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 talk itself.
1: One of the things that I teach people is that. Your brand is the full experience that you provide others. When we think of somebody speaking at an event, much of the service, much of the experience speakers provide is way more than just the actual talk itself. So how can speakers ensure that they give the best possible experience to an event?
2: Yeah, that's so true that uh, oftentimes we assume that as speakers that we are there just to deliver a talk and we collect a check and go home and kind of the end of the transaction, but it's so much more than that. Oh, yeah. And so a good, a good way to think about this is, and this isn't true for just speakers, this is true for every element of, you know, businesses and, and uh, consumer products and services and things that we interact with and deal with. If, if the product is amazing, but the experience sucks, it's the type of thing that we don't want to go back to. So let's imagine, for example, and then you go to a restaurant that has just the most amazing food it's some of the best food that you've ever had but um the the service is horrible things are slow the place is dirty uh you have to wait a long time uh the the ambiance is off like it, all, everything else about it is is just a disaster but the food's really really good like you're going to put up with that for a, a time or two maybe but eventually it'll just be like ah. It's just not worth it, like all the other crap that goes along with it. And so the same thing is true for a speaker. If you are great on stage, but you're a pain in the butt to work with. And by pain in the butt, I don't mean like you're this prima donna or this diva or you're like, I got to have my jar of, of red Skittles, and my French, you know, European imported bottled water or anything like that. No, I, I just mean like you're unorganized, you're sloppy, you drop the ball, you are you're you're, you're uh, lack professionalism. You know, you you they ask you to be there at uh, 830 for a sound check and you're stumbling in at 840 with your Starbucks or, you know, they have to follow up with you numerous times to, Hey, can you, we asked, we emailed you a question and it took you, took you a, you know, week and a half to get back with us. Like that kind of stuff just leaves a horrible taste in people's mouths. Even if like you are great to work with, there's, a. Um, here in, in the Nashville area, there's a, a major speakers bureau, and I have become good friends with the the president and several agents over there. And I remember asking one of the agents one time, I said, "Who are some speakers um, like so, like celebrity type speakers that are, are like they are great to work with? Uh, they're great on stage, but they're a pain in the butt to work with." And I remember mm-hmm. this. Um, uh, I won't I won't name names, and but uh, they this one guy, this agent, told me about this one particular speaker. They said like. I just tell clients like if you 're you 're more than welcome to hire this person, but i 'm just going to tell you they are going to be a huge thorn in your flesh uh, and as long as you know that going into it. They'll be great on stage, but they are going to be a big pain in the butt off stage, uh, and so like that is just a horrible, horrible experience. It's a horrible reputation, and so it's important for speakers to be great on stage and to li- deliver in that way. But it's also just as important to be great off stage, in, in terms of like how you are to work with the uh, with the the AV crew, or to work with the uh, the client itself on site, or to work with the inter- and to interact with the audience. Like those type of things really, really, really make a, a big difference.
1: It can't be focusing on do, doing just one thing really well. You know, it, like to, it, it's the full experience and everyone that you interact with as well, because, you know, the ideal situation is that you'll be invited back. You'll be invited back either to that same event or if that uh, event company works with other people for their conferences, they'll want to promote you as well.
2: Yeah, totally, and it's it's the same thing that again, like this um, this agent buddy of mine would say to potential clients is like, hey, uh, here's what you're getting. You're getting someone who's great on stage, but. You just buckle up for what you're dealing with off stage. And like, you just don't want to have that kind of reputation. That's horrible. And like, if you, if again, if a restaurant had that reputation of like the food's awesome, but everything else about the experience sucks, like people just aren't going to put up with that. You know, there's too many other good options that are available. So it's, it's so critically important that speakers think about that and be aware of, of how they are to work with off the stage.
1: Grant, you know, so we have learned a lot from you today, but I know that there's a whole lot more that you like to teach others. Where can people go to learn more from you?
2: Yeah, everything that we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. Uh, I know we talked about the book at the beginning, um, but it is, it is out everywhere. The book is called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, we have a podcast by the same name, the, the uh, Speaker Lab Podcast. And so there is uh, no shortage of free tools and resources that we, we try to make available to help speakers as best we can.
1: If you look for Grant, you can find him.
2: Hopefully, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find
1: out. <laughs> this is one final question for you. If you were to create a soundtrack for the Speaker Lab, what songs would you include?
2: Good question. So, I honestly, I don't listen to a ton of music. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but um, so when I'm, if I'm, if I'm driving or going for a walk or whatever, it's almost always podcasts. I listen to a lot of comedians as well. Uh, so it's, I, I don't listen to a ton of music, uh, to be honest with you. Now, when I was doing a lot of speaking, um, sometimes my, my hype myself up song backstage would, I listen to like a, like a, some Eminem lose yourself in the moment type songs. Nice. Um, so something like that. I, the other, the uh, another song I like is, uh, the, the life is a highway. Uh, There's a a talk I've presented uh, on that same idea. And I think like in in business that life is a highway. Life is this adventure. It's filled with ups and downs and twists and turns and roadblocks and detours and construction. And and you have no idea what the road of life looks like. Uh, and, And I've heard it put this way and this is true in, in uh, business, it's true in entrepreneurship, it's true in life, that when you, when you are driving a car at night, you can only see as far as the headlights will show you. You can only see a few feet in front of you. But you can make the entire journey that way. You can drive hundreds or thousands of miles and never be able to see more than a few feet in front of you. And that's really what entrepreneurship, that's really what life is. That really like... I, I, mean, I have some sense of what the rest of my day holds. I have some sense of what you know, the rest of the week, or what next week, or a month from now, or a couple of months from now. But uh, I mean, obviously, right now we're living in this this weird pandemic world that none of us saw coming. You know, a few months ago. And so, if you would have said, well, in a few, in a, in a uh, you know, next week or something, or in a couple of weeks, that that the world's going to be completely, uh, radically impacted by this, and and uh, people are going to be, the world's going to be quarantined, and yada yada yada. Um, none of, all of us have been like, that's ridiculous. That's not a real thing. Like that's movie type stuff. Uh, and yet here we are. And so the idea that again, you, life is this journey, life is this highway. And, um, that's, uh, that's, that's part of, of what you're signing up for with, with entrepreneurship. That's obviously part of what, what comes along with life.
1: That is a lesson that I needed today. And I love that. Yeah. I can have a visualization of some of the major milestones, the major mile markers but I don't know all the details of the whole road in front of me, but I'm pretty good. If I can see at least a few feet ahead of me.
2: Totally. Absolutely. I'll give you the quick ex- another quick example of this. So at the time of this recording, um, our family and I were getting ready to do an RV trip and uh, um, about a week or so. And awesome. so we're going to kind of bounce around a couple different places. And we know like we've booked uh, RV parks. We're going to be staying and how many nights we are going to be staying there as we kind of bounce around. Uh, but like, what happens between point A and point B and what, what places we stop at or what, you know, tourist traps we fall into or whatever? Like, I, I don't know, you know, who, who knows? And that's, again, that's part of the fun. That's part of the adventure. That's part of the experience of, uh, of again, life, but also entrepreneurship.
1: If you, if you decide that you want to go visit the world's largest rubber band ball because you all think it's cool and then you get there and like, eh, wasn't as cool as we, cool as we thought. Well, that's just a lesson learned.
2: Totally. Now, now we know.
1: Grant, I am so grateful for you to join me today. I know we're we're both in Nashville, but we're physically distant today because we're sheltering in place. But thank you so much. I appreciate you and uh, have a good one.
2: Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, I hope you enjoyed my talk with Grant Baldwin and I hope you learned how speaking can be one of the best ways to grow your brand and to grow your business. Even if you're not focusing fully on paid speaking events, speaking at events will help establish your authority and establish your expertise to help you get more leads and get more clients and grow your business. So if you want to learn more from Grant and his team, then go to thespeakerlab.com today. Grant and his team have opened up their calendars and have time slots available for you, Simple Brand listeners, to have a brief Strategy coaching session. So, all you need to do is go to thespeakerlab.com and book a time to talk to them. They'll get on the phone and talk to you about your business, what's been working, what hasn't been working, and how you can meet some goals by establishing yourself as a speaker. And they'll see if their coaching program is right for you. Their coaching program includes a done for you speaking website a done-for-you speaking video, two weekly live Q&A coaching calls with Grant and other successful speaking coaches, lessons on how you can establish yourself in virtual events as well as live events, one-on-one coaching calls to make sure you're staying on track and and moving towards your goals, and so much more. So head to thespeakerlab.com and book your call now. And you can also pick up Grant's book, The Successful Speaker, at Amazon or any other book retailer. But again, listen, you're listening right now on a podcast directory. So go in your podcast directory, wherever it is, and search for The Speaker Lab Podcast, And you'll find hundreds of episodes where Grant has given his lessons, as well as interviews with other speaking experts and event industry experts. With his podcast, his book, his site, and his coaching program, Grant gives you lots of resources to help you establish your expertise as a speaker and to grow your speaking career. Hey, I hope you're enjoying listening to the Simple Brand Podcast. I loved having you with us today. Um, I'd love it if you hit the subscribe button. And when you do, that's going to be a lot simpler for you to get future episodes. We've got some great episodes coming up. Lots of more great interviews. Lots of fun guests. More lessons from me, Matt Lyles. So hit the subscribe button, and then you can automatically make sure that you get those new episodes as soon as they're live until then keep it simple
0: thanks for joining us for this episode of the simple brand podcast want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode visit our website simplebrandpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show in itunes spotify stitcher or wherever you listen if you're finding value from the simple brand podcast leave us a rating or review That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.